Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, Sad, Confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Anya Taylor-Joy, from The Witch to New Mutants to Emma. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. We're back, guys, with another new episode. I know, uh, yes, another break happened. It wasn't intended, but I have a a valid excuse. Um, Hopefully, you've been hearing my voice, if you're a fan of what I do here on Happy, Sad, Confused, uh, on my podcast during the Sundance Film Festival. I got to collaborate with a good friend, Ben Lyons. We did a podcast called The Festival Rules, uh, 10 episodes of which are available to you right now. If you haven't checked it out, I highly encourage you to do so. Uh, we did basically a daily podcast from the Sundance Film Festival. So that's kind of why Happy Second Confused took a, a brief break. Um, but if you want to hear conversations with um, everybody from uh, Andy Samberg, Julia Weed-Dreyfus, Sienna Miller, Diego Luna, um, Alec Baldwin. We talked to a ton of great people over there. Uh, I saw so many movies. It was my 14th Sundance Film Festival. Uh, I think all in all, I saw 24 movies. Yes, I know it's an insane number. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> and I actually saw a bunch of good ones. My top three, for what it's worth, um, and I'm pleased to say uh, I got a chance to actually see the ones that I think most people were talking about for a change. I've gone years where I've been to the festival and somehow missed all the big ones. But uh, Minari is a film that if you follow kind of film Twitter, you've probably been hearing about. You're definitely going to hear about it later on in the year when it's released. It stars uh, Stephen Ewan. Um, it's a real kind of small slice of life story about a Korean family that moves to Arkansas in the 80s. Uh, beautifully told, exceptional performances, um, probably my favorite. And it won the big uh, dramatic prize uh, at Sundance, so I was really happy to see that. Uh, the aforementioned Andy Samberg stars in Palm Springs. That was the big sale of, uh, of Sundance. It sold for a fortune to Neon and Hulu. Um, it is probably the most mass market, like broad movie that's going to presumably, I would think, you never know, but it works as just like kind of a, 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 an accessible comedy. Uh, Andy Samberg's probably maybe his best film he's done. Uh, well, Pop Star is a classic. What am I saying? But this this one's up there too. Very funny. Him, Kristen Milioti, J.K. Simmons. Uh, I adored that movie. Uh, I love the movie um, Boys State, which is a documentary, uh, kind of about uh, young men who uh, gather to kind of form their own uh, unique government. Uh, Promising Young Woman, which is out in April. I talked to uh, Carrie Mulligan and Bo Burnham. That conversation's over at the Festival Rules. Um, so yeah, a lot, of, a lot of good movies. That was actually four movies. I gave you a doc in there too. But those are my top four probably uh, at Sundance this year. If you want to check out all those conversations, go subscribe to the Festival Rules uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, as for Happy, Sad, Confused, we continue on with a uh, in-depth conversation with a young actress that I'm a big fan of. She's been doing such great work since hitting it big with The Witch five years ago, which incidentally debuted at the Sundance Film Festival. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, uh, she starred in, uh, in Glass and Split for M. Night Shyamalan. She's in the upcoming New Mutants film. This is the much-delayed but still much-anticipated film from Josh Boone, kind of a more of a horror version of a X-Men story. I'm excited to see that one. I'm also very excited to see her in Edgar Wright's next film, Last Night in Soho. Uh, It's Edgar Wright, so that's enough for me, but it also stars Matt Smith and Thomas and uh, Mackenzie, so it's it's, going to be a special one, I'm pretty sure. Um, And she's starring currently, 
in Emma, which is, as you might expect, based on Jane Austen's classic novel. Uh, it is, you know, there have been some great Emma interpretations over the years. I think of the Gwyneth Paltrow one. I think of Clueless. Uh, and this one really stands alongside those. It's great. It's, it's great fun. It's exceptionally well cast, beautifully directed, um, and a different kind of a, a change of pace for Anya. Um, you know, she's done a lot of kind of genre stuff, and it's cool to see her in this environment. Um, she's, you know, I said this to her, like, it's unusual for a young actor to be as kind of chameleon-like as she's been early in her career. She's really gotten a chance to, to look different in each role and show different sides of herself. So um, I'm very intrigued by what she's delivered so far and what's to come for Anya. It was fun uh, getting to know her a little bit on today's podcast. Other things to mention, well... We're at the end of award season. That means the Oscars are just days away. I'm excited for both the end of the award season and the Academy Awards. I'm pleased to say I will be back on the red carpet for MTV. Uh, I'll be popping up in some other cool places, so stay tuned. Follow me on social media, and you'll be able to follow all of my shenanigans at the Oscars. Uh, at Joshua Horowitz on Instagram and Twitter. Um, here in New York this week, hopefully I'm going to see some of you guys at our second live Happy, Sad, Confused event. Uh, we had such a fun time doing the David Harbour event uh, a couple months back with Justin Long and Patrick Wilson that we decided to do another one. And this one is, it's a bigger space. It's at Symphony Space on the Upper West Side. And uh, it's going to be a huge event with Sam Hewen, former guest, of course, on Happy, Sad, Confused. It's a sold out audience. It's going to be electric. I can't wait uh, to share the audio with you guys. Yes, we're recording it, so if you are not privileged enough to get into the uh, symphony space yourself, if you're not lucky enough to get a ticket and be in New York, don't worry. We've got you covered. Very soon you'll be able to hear that Sam Hewen live event. Um, I can't wait to catch up with Sam, and uh, I think it's going to be a fun, special night. Uh, lots more to come, guys. Again, apologies for the, the lack of Happy Sack Confused podcasts in recent weeks, but hey, I gave you 10 episodes of the Festival Rules, and I'm glad to say that there are a bunch of very cool guests coming up on the podcast in the weeks to come. So, as a further reminder... Remember, you know the drill. Review, rate, subscribe to Happy, Sad, Confused. Spread the good word. Enjoy this conversation with Anya Taylor-Joy. Anya Taylor-Joy. Yes. What people don't know listening to this podcast is that she's just given me a tutorial that was not recorded on how to pronounce <laughs> her name. Anya, it's good to have you here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. How's your 2020 going so far? 2020 is going good. Um, I'm not going to lie. I shot three films literally back to back in 2019 and yeah. I finished December 23rd. So I'm a bit dazed. Yeah. Um, but just really excited for all of them to come out and really psyched to be talking about Emma. So Emma's great, by the way. Emma oh, is, thank is, you. Is, is wonderful. It's, it's also unlike anything you've done before, which I assume is part of the appeal. Yes. Big um, time. Thank you for saying that. Um, it, yeah. It's, um, well, talk to me a little bit about was that part of the excitement about taking this on was seeing that you were in an environment in a world that we'd never seen you in? Well, A, the whole process of how this movie came about for me, I'm not going to lie about because it was ridiculous. It was just, I got off a plane in New York and one of our lovely producers called me and said, I know that you're going to do all of these different movies. Can you just not accept them yet? Because I have a film for you, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. And I was like, okay, vague. Um, <laughs> but then he called me back like an hour later and said it was Emma and that he was flying over the director who wanted to meet me um, like in seven hours or something like that. 
And so it sort of felt like I got kidnapped by Emma. Like I never really said yes. It was just happening. Um, but I'm very grateful for that because I think I would have been a bit, um, a bit more scared of doing it if I'd had time to think about it. That being said, I really hate how people just want to give people a thing and they want to get like put people in a box. Right. We're actors. Our job is to be versatile. Our job is to be, you know, whatever whatever character it is that we're playing. And so the opportunity to get to do a straight up romantic comedy was just too good. Well, that's the thing that occurs to me early in your career because you're still pretty early in your career. The first five years <laughs> or so, we've been seeing you on screen. But like, even in these early roles you're very much a chameleon. Like, I didn't know which Anya was going to walk into my office today, what your look was going to be. I don't oh. know what the regular thought, Anya I th is. I thought you were worried that I was going to murder you or something. There was that too. <laughs> we're just getting started. We don't know where this is we going. We don't know where this is going to go. <laughs> you never know. But do you take pride in that? I mean, that, obviously that's the goal of any actor, to play the, the pantheon of roles. But for a young actor especially, I feel like that's not necessarily the norm. Normally you do kind of the thankless girlfriend, friend kind of vanilla roles and somehow you've been able to pretty much avoid that in the early going. I think I've been very lucky and then you know luck takes you a, a certain amount of the way in the sense of the scripts that you know cross your desk sure. and then when you do get one of those scripts that is you know or one of those roles that's not really showing women as like 3D individuals yeah. you kind of learn pretty quickly to be like I've now played messy, complicated, real people. I can't do that. Like my right. artistic soul can't handle it. Um, so I think I think it's been a combination of luck and then just learning to say no. I'm sorry. Yeah, the power of no. People, actors yeah. often talk about that. That's not. And if you have the luxury of saying no, that's a nice thing. Absolutely. Yes, I know that's a very, very privileged position to be in. So where did so you, you were a very busy person when Emma came around? Yeah. So what made it such a no brainer? I mean, obviously this is. Pretty good source material. It's tried and true. Yeah. We know we know it works by now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you're following in like a line of like you know from Gwyneth Paltrow to Clueless. Yeah. Like I mean, this has been interpreted in many different ways over the years. Every generation kind of has their Emma. Um, why was this? Was that an in intimidating proposition? I guess it was, but it's strange. I can't. I honestly can't describe what goes on in my brain. But I wouldn't necessarily describe myself as Anya as a brave person. But the choices that I make when it comes to work, almost unbeknownst to me, are brave mm -hmm. because I, when I said yes to Emma, I said yes under the umbrella of, but I want to play her the way that Jane Austen wrote her, which is, and there's an actual quote, which is, I've written a character I'm not sure anybody but myself will like. Like, I want to play this character in a way that isn't immediately likable because right. I'm sick and tired of women having to be not just likable, but easily likable. And I want to create a flesh and blood human being that you can celebrate when she does something good, but also shake your head and be like, no, that was a bad thing to do. Like, that was a bad action. And what's, what's fun about her, I think, also is, I mean, from my vantage point is... She's not so self-aware. She's very knowledgeable. No. She's very wise yeah, about others. Yeah, she's very others, clever. She's a very clever person. But in projecting onto others and not onto herself. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of why, like, what's right in front of her, you know, in invariably gets past her. Yeah, but also, I mean, you have to think about the context in which she grew up. She grew up without a mother in an absurd amount of privilege with a father that's basically just said yes to everything she's ever wanted. And she's never been told no. And right. she's incredibly bored. And so when she starts playing around with people as if they were dolls, even if she has 
good intentions, selfish intentions, it doesn't matter. She just ha doesn't actually know that she has the power to hurt people and right. that her actions have consequences. It's a, it's a beautiful film, just in terms of like aesthetics. Thank you so much. Like, does it feel like you're kind of like in this kind of dreamy landscape when you're shooting this? I mean, this is a different oh, yeah. environment than it's The Witch. It's Autumn de Wild world. Like, you definitely come in and yeah. your whole perspective on color palettes and ringlets, like, change pretty quickly. She's one of those people that if one ringlet is out of place, you're stopping the scene and you're right. going back and doing it correctly. And so you definitely, your attention to detail comes out a lot. Autumn has directed a bunch of music videos, uh -huh. right? This is her first feature? This is her first feature, okay. yes. So what, what did she communicate to you in the initial conversations that got you excited about what she was gonna bring to this take? Autumn de Wilde is the best first date I've ever had. We like met and had lunch. <laughs> is and that then, what meeting a director is basically? Well, kind of. You're going out for a meal and seeing if, you know, you're not changing hearts, but you're changing brains and going, is yeah. my artistic sensibility going to mesh with you for four and a half months? Um, and yeah, we went for lunch and then that turned into like seven hours of exploring antique shops in New York and telling each other our entire life stories. So I think what I what I really loved about working with her is that I think one of the greatest gifts a director can have is being able to say, I don't know, when they don't know something. And not having the ego to be like, I know everything and yeah. I'm correct about everything. Awesome led our ship and she was brilliant at that. But she was also a first time director. So every once in a while she had a question and she was honest about that. And that helped us move forward really quickly and easily. It's funny you say that. That's often come up with, in my conversations with filmmakers because it, it is a demarcation point between certain, a certain kind of human being. The kind of person that will go on a set, especially as a filmmaker, and just kind of fake it and like pretend they've got all the answers. And those that cop to it and will, and I think it's the wiser, wiser way, is surround yourself with brilliant people. Yeah. And, know you have a vision, but also know that the nature of directing a film is hugely collaborative and you need to uh, lean on others. Exactly. But also I think that's a big part of, you know, you don't just cast a film in terms of actors, you cast a film in terms of your heads of department. Right. And, you know, I hope to direct one day and my thought process is why not give somebody the job that you trust to do the job correctly yeah. and that you trust to do the job to the best of their ability which is something that you admire about them like give jobs to the people that you don't have to worry about and then build something up from that and build it together you, you mentioned that you know one day you hope to direct so are you when you're on a set are you paying attention are you only paying attention to your job or do you kind of like to be by the video village or with the director oh, or talking yeah. to the crew like are you picking people's brains i'm picking i'm so annoying i'm just like <laughs> It's like anytime I'm not directly in front of the camera, I've been very lucky with the directors that I've worked with that they're very, um, they're, they're very sweet with me and they'll let me, you know, Opens sit. their process a bit. Yeah, yeah. If, if, it's, if it's not my scene, I'll sit behind the monitor and I'll watch and, you know, we'll discuss it and all of that. And yeah. I, I feel very privileged to have that. But I'm also like, I'm just really curious about everything. So I'll go and like sit with the sound guys for ages and be like, how do you do that? Like, <laughs> it didn't sound like that in there. It's so windy. And I just, I get really excited about it. I love making films, so. You also probably have like the, the ideal uh, actor dad in this, Bill Nye. I just, love him so much. He's been, he, he, he's been here too. And it was like, I <laughs> oh, mean, oh my God. He's the I most mean, fabulous I, I, man. I mean, I loved him as an actor, but then like as a human, I'm like, like can I, it, can it you just, just, can we live a life together? I know, it's unreal. It's unreal. <laughs> like <laughs> the award for coolest, most suave, like man, groovy cat, I think <laughs> is, I think is the term um, that goes to Bill Nye. Yeah. Um, so where are you at with watching yourself on screen now? Have you seen the finished product of this one? I haven't actually seen the full movie of Emma and I'm really looking forward to doing that because I have, um, I've figured out my process now and it's a bit of a weird one. 
first time I want to die. Like I genuinely, I can't. Right. I'm so, and it, it's not. It's, it's trauma. This, it's, uh, yeah. yeah. It's like getting hit by a bus, but not for the reasons <laughs> that you would assume. It's just anytime I first watch a, a film that I've been in, because I don't, uh, I personally don't agree with not watching your films because I think it's too much. Like it's not all about you. It's a whole bunch of other people who have done a lot of work right. and different departments that you have to go and support because they deserve it and right. you love them. So that I have to watch it. But the first time I always feel like I've let people down and I'm always like, oh, I messed it up. And then I process it. And then the second time I watch it, it's slightly more palatable mm -hmm. and I'm able to lose myself a bit more. And by the third time, I'm just like, okay, whatever. That girl's done whatever she's done on that screen. And you just have to get over yourself and just applaud for the people that you care about that worked with you. One of uh, So one of the reasons I was excited to talk to you today, I was already excited because I, I like what you've been doing the last few years, but then I like, started to like, you know, look through the social media and stuff, and my sense is, and even from our initial conversation is here, is uh, you've got good taste. You've got good taste in film. You're like, you like, you love film. Yeah, I do. So where does that come from? Talk to me a little bit about, like, did you have an influence in your life that introduced you to film, or did you find it on your own? What were your early sensibilities? Give me a taste. I mean, I think um, I had quite a magical and very very weirdly retro introduction to film, which is um, I grew up in Argentina and my parents had laser discs. So like those yeah, epically, those. yeah, those yeah. like big ass. But I'm like 30,000 years older than you, so you true. shouldn't have Come those. on, please. <laughs> but no, my parents would go to America and they would buy laser discs yeah. and there were, we only had a few. And as the youngest, because um, I've got five brothers and sisters, it was my job to turn it over, <laughs> you know, halfway yep. through the film. And so I definitely felt like it was like we were communing to do something sacred. It wasn't just like, you know, turn on the TV and something's on. It was like, oh my God, like right. this massive image is gonna come on and if I don't turn it around halfway through, it's gonna stop and we'll never know what happened. Oh, like so much drama. Um, <laughs> but it just, it just became really magical to me. And I realized that if anything, if I was sad or like, I mean, like let's talk about like small children problems. Like if my hamster died, my parents could put me in front of a movie and I would feel better at the end of it. And I could get lost in something like that. And then, just started creating my own stories. And then obviously you turn 14 and you start to feel like you're getting a bit cooler and you're like, right. wait, who's Fellini? Like, yeah. this is exciting. Yep. Like I want to go and, and steep in all of that. Um, and I just, I've, I've never been a person that, this is why I didn't get along well with people in school. I've never been good at being cool. If I like something, I love it. And right. it just pours out of me. And so whenever I watch a film that I get really excited about, I'm just buzzing for yeah. hours afterwards. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've, I, I've, yeah. I've heard you, you say that you had a lot of energy as a kid. I have so much energy. It's unreal. I'm so grateful to have a job that makes me tired. And I think the people in my life are grateful for that. So, too. so now it's a great outlet. What was the outlet when you were like eight was, I mean, were you Ooh. acting in school plays? Were you doing athletics? Like what were, like, where did all this crazy Anya energy go? I was just performing in my own shows, like 24 hours a day. My parents and my brothers and sisters it was always like either shut up and you're like where is the off button like we need to find it because I just and even now like I'm trying to learn how to sleep but as I'm falling asleep I'll get an idea for a poem or a song and I'll be like oh my god oh my god I have to get up and then you right. know it's like hours later and I mean I, I'm very grateful my parents put me in dance because that was something physical that I could like, yeah shake it out of um it's yeah. probably also part of it maybe being youngest child i'm a youngest child myself uh -huh. like by then like they kind of like have left you to your own devices and you're just looking for attention wherever you can get it i am no i am so grateful for my parents because i came out like because all of my brothers and sisters are so much older than me despite the fact that i have you know this kind of childish energy and inquisitiveness yeah. 
I was also like a miniature adult and I like knew my rights when I was very little. I was like, you can't tell me to do that. That goes against my moral principles. And my parents were just, wow. you know, they, they'd had six kids. So they were like, oh, whatever. Like this one, <laughs> just, just do whatever you're we'll going to do. We'll treat this one as an experiment. Let's yeah, see where it goes. She can, she can just, she can just do whatever she wants to do. But I'm so grateful for the approach that my parents have had. Cause I, I did some pretty ballsy things, um, in my teenage years and luckily they've paid off, but they've were always supportive. Are you talking about like, I mean, I know your initial like movement into, into work was, was modeling. Is that, mm -hmm. is that what you're alluding to? Like what were the, the ballsy, crazy moves that young Anya was doing? Well, I quit school. Um, cause I was having, I loved learning and I still love learning. I read like three books a week. I'm just, I, I love knowledge, but I couldn't handle that environment anymore. Right. It was just, it was too claustrophobic. And I knew what I wanted to do. So I wrote my parents a really big letter that was like, hi, so I'm not going back to school and I'm going to be an actor and I'm just going to work this out, which obviously did not go down well. But how, how old are you at this point? 16. Um, and that's when I started living alone as well. But then luckily I got scouted for modeling pretty quickly after that. And right. I never, I never thought modeling was something I could do, but I knew that it was an in. Sure. And so I'd like showed up at my modeling agency with a, a clip of me singing um, with the Beach Boys. Like they had pulled me up on stage and I was pretending to air guitar. And I was like, if you can buy that, I can play this guitar. Like, I swear to God, I can act, you know, like, please <laughs> just give me a shot. Um, and then luckily it worked out. So. so so backtracking a little. So where where was home growing up? Were you bouncing around different places? Like, what do you consider your like home base when you were a kid? That is the million dollar question. <laughs> that genuinely, like, I would love to know. I would love to know where I feel home is. Um, yeah, no, my parents had me in the States, right. um, but we were all like, we're all Argentine. Everyone was over in Argentina and I moved back there immediately. And then we left when I was six because the political situation just got really scary. And so right. we went to London then. And so what, uh, forgive me if this sounds like uh, bizarre, but like, what, how would you define your accent? Like the way you speak? Oh it, God. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, oh, oh yeah, I know what you mean. It's, <laughs> it's massively stressful. Um, it's, I'm going to break that into two, okay. two segments. One, so awesome for the job. Thank you, Christ, for that. Because I'm a natural mimic. Because Spanish is my first language, yeah. I hear somebody else's accent. And this is actually the first time I'm in America that I'm making a conscious effort to try and stay more. Because the way that I sound normally is I'm British. I sound right, like... Right, because I've heard you in interviews where it's, some, it's, it's going towards that. Well, yeah, yeah, because, I mean, if I wasn't trying right now, like, I come over to America and I sound like this because that's what you sound like. Right. And that's the easiest way to be able to fit in with your cadence and the way to be able to make this work. <laughs> like that's for, just for adopting to my weird ways. No, no, it's yeah. not. It's not weird. Yeah. It's just it's something I'm the weird one. Like it just it's, it's the way that that works. I go to Ireland and I start like I start going into that. But I realize that it freaks people out. So I'm trying to like stick to one. That's I'm so trying. Funny. That's bizarre. Um, Okay, so wait, you so you drop out at sixteen, and where are you living by then? Are you already modeling by then? I'm in London, yeah, and I'm modeling. Okay, and is it true? Like, do you have like one of these crazy modeling stories where like you were literally like picked off a street? Yeah, and, like that <laughs> could have ended in another horrible way, but somehow Honestly, this worked out. Like sometimes I think back on it, and I'm like so grateful I did it. But what was I thinking? Like that's absurd. Um, yeah, black car comes up, starts oh, chasing me. I pick up my dog, I start running, and. Guy sticks his head out the window and says, if you stop, you won't regret it. And I stop. 
and it was the head of a modeling agency. I don't know if this is the story we want to encourage. No, other young I don't. Women I don't to, encourage right? other people. I, d- I have no idea what I was doing, but luckily it worked out. And my parents came with me the next day to the modeling agency. I will say that. There you go. So okay, and then I know we're. Uh, jumping all uh, around because I think you have a scattered brain just like me, which is good. Yeah, sorry. Uh, uh, no, it's good. It's good. Um, so, and the and the early film influences, that. what were like the films or pop culture things you were obsessed with even before you started to get into the business? Like what were the posters on your wall? What were the people you were obsessed with? What was oh. your jam? Oh, wow. Well, I mean, I kind of grew up with like 90s kids classics sure. and any film that had like a small-ish child and an animal in it, I was like, please, dear God, let me do that job. Like, I want to be in Jumanji. You right. know, I want to hang out with a whale. Like, that sounds like so much fun. <laughs> it just married my two loves. It was like cinema and animals, like amazing. <laughs> and then um, I think the first film I became like properly, the, the, the first like non-cool film, like the first uh, film that I was like properly obsessed with was uh, 2003's Peter Pan with Jeremy Sumpter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I was... I still am like I love that book and I love that story and I think I learned no I don't think I do know this is just so nerdy um I learned that entire film with like cues and everything off by heart and like one day at school somebody printed out the script and was like I bet you can't do this and I was like watch me like I know this film like lighting cues everything that's great I had the same thing when I again much older but I had and it's it's gonna speak volumes about me with um Bram Stoker's Dracula oh my goodness I knew that film literally by heart (laughs) (laughs) it's your like and the lights go down in three two yep pretty much no script needed (laughs) so were you a Potter kid what did that hit you at the right time yeah um but I was a big I was a bigger fan of the books like I still don't get me wrong I love the movies and I watch them a lot but like I was that kid that read each of the books at least seven times because it was the lucky wizarding number basically I'm a (laughs) massive nerd like I'm not joking when I say when I like something I love it did you have you been sorted do you know what house you're in uh, there's a lot of discussion about this. Um, <laughs> I think, well, yeah, I think I'm a Ravenclaw. I think that's where I'm at. Okay. But a couple of people, because of the way I look, they're like, you're Slytherin, man. Like, oh, that's wow. what you are. And I'm like, I don't. Slytherin, Slytherin on the outside. Are, but... Slytherins are cool. Yeah. I can, yeah, I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Were you into comics? Obviously, you're, we're going to see you in a co- big comic book film soon. Yeah. Was that your jam growing up or no? No, I think my brother was really into it. Um, and I can remember when I first came over to London, there were like comic TV shows on um, on the TV, but sure. I couldn't speak English. So I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, what are, what are they all talking about? Um, but no, that was that became my jam later because I love the fact that those fans really, really love it. When did you um, when did you learn English then? I learned English when I was eight. Okay. Yeah, I I stuck it out for two years in London, refusing to speak English because I wanted to go home. And then eventually, I was like, I have no friends. Like, <laughs> this is going to be a needed like, I need skill. To, I need, I need to learn this language. <laughs> just to survive. <laughs> and who were who were the favorite actors growing up? Who was the first? Whether it's crushes or just people you admired or whatever. Um, Saoirse Ronan was big for me when I was yeah when I was maybe yeah. thirteen because she was the first at that age like not as a kid kid she was the first person that I saw that I was like you're a similar age to me and you're doing the kind of films that I'm interested in it's not all just fluffy yeah um so Saoirse was a big one and I'm trying to think did I see you you met Saoirse right yeah yeah yeah. she's the best she's so sweet she's so lovely I like massively embarrassed myself and she was really sweet about it but now I think I'm now I'm now I'm okay okay now I'm over it Um, (laughs) not 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 over it but you know what I mean um and Robin Williams I loved him I just loved him. I thought he was so brave and yeah. um and it was just it was joyful to watch him all the time. 
So, okay, so jumping back, you drop out of school, Mm -hmm. you're starting to make a go of it, I assume you're starting to go on auditions, how quickly does that actually develop into real work, or is there, are you here now, are you in New York? No, um, I I came to New York when I was 14, um, for a little bit, and then I came back for a summer when I was 16, Um, but that was just an excuse to be in the city, because I was rebellious and like, wanted to, you know, hang out. Uh, I can't remember how long it took exactly, but I know I did a lot of little auditions and it just wasn't going anywhere. And then the first audition that I really remember going places was The Witch. And I thought that audition went so badly. Like I truly thought I had messed that up massively because I had a huge panic attack before I went into it. And luckily that really worked for the scene. So, like, right, exactly. <laughs> I was so it was fine. <laughs> I didn't know that's what was going on. I hadn't worked on the accent because I didn't know how to work on an accent. I didn't realize I could just mimic. And uh, and yeah, Robert gave me a shot to come back again. And right. that worked out. I mean, for those that have or have, those that haven't seen The Witch, first of all, go see The Witch because The Witch is amazing. Thank you. Um, the performances, what Robert Eggers is able to achieve visually, it's just like a, it's a trans, it, 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 you really are transported to this very specific, scary horrific kind of moment. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. No, I loved it. I love it. I don't know what that says about me. Um, but it does feel like I'm saying to this to you before, like it's almost like you're in a foreign film. Like there's yeah. like a dialect, there's like a speech pattern, there's a way of speaking. Did it feel I mean that's a huge way to jump into film. It's mm-hmm. not an easy role by any means. Did you feel was there a learning curve on set or did you feel comfortable in the first days? Well I mean it's twofold. Absolutely, it's a huge learning curve because I walked out there and they were like, "Hit your mark," and I was like, "Who's Mark?" I don't, you know, right. I didn't, I didn't know. What did he do to me? Yeah, I yeah. was just, I didn't, I didn't know what was going <laughs> on. I thought my name was at the top of the call sheet because my name started with an A. Like I genuinely believed that for right. years. Um, and so, so that was obviously a big learning curve. But the second thing was that I'd felt like I hadn't fit in anywhere for such a long time. And the group of people that made The Witch, we became instant family because of how isolated we were. And so just going into work every single day just felt like such a joy. I just I felt like I could breathe because I'd found a place where I was doing something that I loved with people who didn't think I was a psychopath. And, you know, I could have fun with it. So I just I loved every second of making that movie. So when the film the film debuted five years ago at Sundance Mm -hmm. and it immediately made an impact, um, did it feel like things changed very quickly? Yeah. I mean, I've always said that I went to Sundance and I didn't go home and like that kind of genuinely happened. I think I went home to like pack a suitcase to go to my next job, but it was, it was crazy. And it was also crazy because all of us who had made it, we really thought that nobody was going to see it and that people weren't going to get it. And so we were all really proud of ourselves and it was our baby and we loved it, but we didn't you know, it's kind of a, it's a semi-deformed baby that you're presenting to other people and hoping that they, you know, yeah. like it as much as you do. Um, and so when they did, it was just, it was extraordinary. It was mind-blowing. So the next major thing that I think most people have seen, obviously, was your collaboration with uh, M. Night Shyamalan, mm-hmm. who um, I, I'm a huge fan of. I've done a ton with Night over the years, and I know So he's, you know he's great fun. <laughs> he's great. People don't know he's, like, super funny. And super funny like and charming. Giggly and, and yeah. like... <laughs> um, but that's... he. That was an interesting place in his career uh, when he made uh, Split. Mm-hmm. Um did you know what you were getting into? You didn't know it was an unbreakable sequel, I assume, when no. you signed on, right? Oh, no, no, yeah. no. He told me about that, like, 
five months after we'd finished filming in <laughs> oh, a back in a back lot because i'd gone with him to um to a, a test screening in arizona i think it was because he was like i'm gonna you know i'm gonna see the film with an audience for the first time will you come with me and sure. i think he wanted to be with somebody who was going to be as exposed as he was he was like you're in a lot of this doing some crazy <laughs> stuff like front. let's just <laughs> let's hold hands through this um and yeah he told me in a parking lot and i was like okay that's, I was like, can I come too? He's like, yeah, you can come too. Um, but no, I had no idea what I was getting into. I think um, I met Knight and we instantly gelled. Yeah. And like to talk about how like transitory and nomadic my life is, I showed up at that office with like two giant suitcases and I hadn't been to any home, like any place to unpack my bags right. for like months. And um, I looked insane and he still took me on. So I feel very grateful for that. <laughs> You also got the chance to mix it up with uh, James McAvoy, who mm -hmm. is a madman, but a mad genius. He's such a beautiful human. He's um, such a beautiful human. Uh, and, you know, still what he's done in both of those films is just remarkable. Uh, like, I don't even know what to compare it to. I know. Right? It's um, one of a kind. So what was it like watching that? Like, did it feel like bizarre to watch him go in and out in front of your eyes? Like, did it feel like you're playing with different performers or like yeah I mean he it, it didn't feel like a different it definitely felt like different characters mm. but I think um potentially the hardest thing was like when we were in the scenes we're both really in it and yeah. so then it is what it feels like to watch it as an audience member it's disturbing yeah. because the character is disturbed however that being said there were definitely moments when I was on the other side of the camera uh sorry camera where I had to be like Anya you have to like wipe this um, like happy look off your face because I was just so close to him doing genius, brilliant work. Right. I was like, oh my God, you're killing it. This is amazing to watch. So I'm like, focus, you're acting too. Come on, Anya. Um, you returned to Sundance with Thoroughbreds, which mm -hmm. I'm sure means a lot for a number of reasons. Yeah. Obviously, it's a great film. It's a, it, for those that haven't seen it, it's kind of this crazy kind of black comedy. Uh, you and Olivia Cook and the late Anton Yelchin. Mm -hmm. um, and that must have obviously given it a, a special kind of further resonance yeah. in the aftermath. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, I did a couple like Q&As for that, for Love Antosha, the doc. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's, yeah. That like I, I, I only interviewed him a couple of times, so I barely knew him. But to watch. He's a he's I mean, it was devastating. It's absolutely devastating. And, and it continues to be so. But um, his family are so special. And his mother his mom, is, oh is an incredible human being. Um and there was something like that. Sundance has a very, very special place in my heart because there was something very special about yeah. going back to his favorite film festival. And, you know, and that performance is so good. You know, yeah. it's not like not that he ever turned in anything bad, no. but he took a role that could have easily been quite two dimensional and uninteresting and, and made it just spark. And yeah. we're all just very lucky to have known him. And, and talk about a guy that appreciated and loved film. Like, yeah. Much like the conversation. Oh, gosh, having, right? I loved it. Yeah. So. In recent years, I mean, even just looking at like last year, so you had Glass, obviously, The Dark Crystal, I really enjoyed. Oh, thank you. So again, like just that, 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 that even exists in the universe is amazing. <laughs> uh, Peaky Blinders, you popped up mm -hmm. in one of my favorite shows. Oh. Amazing. Um, and then, you know, going forward, you're like killing it because, okay, so let's first talk about Edgar Wright because uh -huh. you've shot... Uh, Last Night in Soho, yeah. which is going to come out later this year. Mm -hmm. um, a bit of a change of pace for Edgar, it sounds like. Yes. 
Um, and again, talk about a cinephile. This guy. I was guy, going to say, like, like the man loves cinema, but he also he just he loves any art form. You know, it's so yeah. much fun to talk music with him. Yeah. Because he just has he just knows everything. I don't understand how he fits it all inside of his head. Um, yeah, it was it's wonderful to talk art with him. So what's I, I know we can't talk much specifics. He's probably trying to keep the the plot itself under wraps, but the specificity of the way he directs. What was unique about sort of being in Edgar's hands for a few months? I loved it as a dancer because he's big on choreography right. and things happen to beats. You know, it's not quite to the level of uh, Baby Driver where you're, you know, coordinating exact car chases to sure. beats of the music, but I sort of act in beats in my head and so I count those out for myself and he actually says them out loud. So it's a wonderful way um, to do that. It's also just like, Without saying anything about the movie, when I watch, you know, bits of it back in ADR and mm. stuff like that, I'm disturbed. Like, it's very claustrophobic and the colors are just so intense. It's kind of like, it's like a really well-directed acid trip in a way. Wow. I think I think people will really like it. <laughs> you definitely will not be bored. I can't wait because it's fun to see like his, he's like, we obviously know how adept he is at storytelling, but to use kind of his powers in a different way is yeah. very intriguing. Yeah. And you're surrounded by like, Matt Smith, right? He's so wonderful. The best. Like, yeah. And Thomas and Mackenzie's also just like She's gorgeous human being. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, okay. So you probably more than any other human being on the planet just want the new mutants to be out in theaters, right? <laughs> I, mean, I can only imagine from an actor's perspective, like it's, it's out of your hands, it's, this, these kind of things, but yeah. like, thankfully we are actually at near the finish line of this one. Yeah. It's just, it's just strange, you know, because one year goes by and then two years goes by and then three by three, you just think it's, you know, you sort of, it's not that you forget about it, sure. but you know, life moves on. And um, yeah, you've made like five movies probably since then. Yeah. I've made a lot of films, <laughs> man. I, I work, I work very hard. Um, very gratefully hard, but it's, yeah, it's just a bit strange. It's kind of weird watching three years prior Anya on screen again. It's like, wow. So this is Josh Boone did, I mean, you know, I'm hopeful and I hope it all turned out as well as, you know, Josh is obviously an accomplished filmmaker. Did it feel like the production was fraught? Like at the time, did you feel like, oh, this there's might be issues with this or did it feel like I this mean, is a normal kind of process? To be honest, I think we were so concentrated on doing what we were trying to do. And then, you know, I think some people get cold feet and they want to change it. But from the actor's perspective and right. from the relationship that we had with Josh, like, if you're going to have somebody direct uh, a movie about these characters, it's yeah. it's so wonderful to have somebody that's such a big fan of them doing it because you could just see him visibly geeking out all yeah. the time. And the process of of getting to do it with a fan that knows what fans will like, yeah. that's that's really helpful. Were there I mean were you following all the crazy rumors in the last like couple of years? I mean it was like What kind of crazy rumors? Well, it was like that different actors were going to, it was going to be massive reshoots, which it sounds like it never really happened. We was, haven't had reshoots. No. So, which is crazy. So, and then, <laughs> and then it was like, Oh, maybe it's going to go to Disney plus John Hamm's coming in, Antonio Banderas to meet major, like huge changes. It sounds like for the most part, they, in the end for all the turmoil, maybe behind the scenes, they kind of let him, his interpretation for the most part stand. I know that Josh is happy with the movie that he's putting out and yeah. he feels like it's his movie. And that's like the thing that you want for your filmmakers because it's, it's awful to be in a situation 
where you just feel like their vision's not going to be fully realized. And so I think like right. this is Josh's movie and nice. he's happy with that. Uh, it sounds like you're going to reteam with Robert Eggers potentially. Yeah, I yeah. am. I'm so excited about it. Um, <laughs> uh, you should be. He's amazing. <laughs> so, um, and Viking story mm -hmm. with uh, not one but two scars guards. I, mean, I know. Come on. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm very spoiled. What can I say? Yeah, this isn't a bad a gig. Nicole Kidman? <laughs> Maybe? Okay, maybe. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, we'll see. Okay, okay. <laughs> you have no cameras have rolled yet. <laughs> um, but what is so I mean it's intriguing to me what Robert's done even in his first two films because mm -hmm. um, the witch we talked about already had just such a specific approach and then the lighthouse had a, a very specific different approach. It seems like he he's not one note. He's going to apply a very unique kind of vision that applies to the story he's telling. Um is it safe to say that this one also will be unique in its own way from the last two he's done? Any movie made by Robert Eggers will be completely unique and interesting. And I feel completely confident saying a statement as big and wide as that. Like <laughs> I, that man is something else. He is a true artist and a true auteur. And we are lucky to have somebody like that making bold and interesting films. Yeah. So, so we, we've been talking about sort of like these amazing, exciting opportunities early in your career. And, you know, it's, it's by din of, of talent and a little luck, obviously, a, little, a nice combination. Um, do you feel like you're steering your own ship? I've talked to actors a lot about this. Like we're like, a lot of it is luck. A lot of it mm -hmm. is choice. And a lot of it's just somewhere in between. Do you feel like at this stage in your career, you, you know what path you want to be on and that you are able to chart that path? Or do you feel like you're kind of just riding a, riding a wave? It's a combination of the two. I mean, I think at the beginning, um, you just want to, you just want a job. You just want an yeah. opportunity to, to do something and be able to build up on that. And I've been so lucky with the characters that I've connected with and the scripts that have come across my desk, that now that I've played such interesting, complicated people, I just can't. Yeah, you're spoiled I, now. Now you yeah, can't go backwards. I can't, I can't, I can't yeah. step backwards. And actually, it's really wonderful because I, I feel I'm very lucky and I'm very privileged to be in a position where I don't have to take a job to have that job. And so as right. uncomfortable as it is sometimes to say no, because you're scared that you're missing out on something or, you know, that, that you're not working. Cause I do love to work. And so the idea yeah. of like, Oh, there's so much space and time. What am I going to do with it? It's just better to not pick things that you don't feel as, you know, that you're not as passionate about as your previous projects. Like, right you have to feel like you would jump off the side of a building to do this movie and to work with this director and yeah. to be in that. And that level of passion is, is difficult to come by sometimes. I, I'm getting the sense that the, 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 what you just described are like the conversations you're having within like your own friends and colleagues, like your agents where they're like, it sounds like you do want to work. Like you want to be on that film set. And they're, oh. and they're probably saying like, yes, but this maybe isn't the, you know, take a second. Um, yes or no. I'm very lucky with my team. I think um, I was mentioning to you earlier that I grew up with a whole bunch of brothers and sisters that were much older than me. Yeah. Uh, I've always been very respected by my team in the sense that I'm very opinionated. And, um, <laughs> so, so no one's telling you what's No, not what's really, but I, def I definitely ask for advice. But the difference is that what comes with a bit of maturity and what comes with a bit of like learning, you know, what acting is and what yeah. being on a film set is, is do I want to play this person for the next four months of my life? Yeah. Like this is my life. I've, I've been living on film sets for five years yep. and 
you know, like occasionally, sometimes I think it would be nice to find out like what Anya would do with three months if she wasn't sure. playing another person. So I'm, I'm trying to be more careful with my time there. Well, not to mention the kinds of material that you're doing. Well, like I would imagine just by dint of like the, the kind of story that you're telling in Emma, you're, you're maybe happier <laughs> than making like a psychologically fraught thing, which is rewarding in its own way. You'd be surprised, really? you know, you'd be really surprised okay. because fil um, like dark film sets have to be very light places right. because of the amount you of like emotional trauma yes. that you're going through. <laughs> right, right. So you have to be able to laugh and That's have a fair. good time. Um, but yeah, it's just more that, you know, you spend, despite not being method, you spend 18 hours a day thinking, behaving and breathing as another human being. Right. Like that, that doesn't leave a lot of time to figure out what it is that you like, totally. you know, so I mean more that kind of time. What's, um, you know, we're, we're, we're in award season right now. What were your favorites of last Parasite. year? Parasite. Christ. I love that movie. So good. It's just brilliant. It's so good. It's, oh, I loved it. I loved every second of it. And he is a trip. I've met, Bong, um, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. director Bong. I director just, I Bong. couldn't, <laughs> just the fact that I got to call him that. I was like, oh, you're amazing. I just, I love his sense of humor. He's such a funny man. I love that. Yeah. I love that in the award circuit this year, it's like the, the two people like winning at everything and just like being like getting all the standing goes are director Bong and Brad Pitt. Like that speaks volumes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, do you keep a short list of the people that you're dying to? to work with is there a filmmaker that like you're seeking out that you're hoping you're secreting out into the universe pay attention to the work of Anya I mean I think it's more I, I don't um I wish I wish I thought that way genuinely I wish yeah. I was that strategic I'm such a like I'm such an emotional like amoeba I'm just like consistently <laughs> floating everywhere and like taking everything on that it's more like I'll watch Parasite and think that person like wow I really want yeah. to make a movie with that person so it's kind of a more spur of the moment what I've seen right you know like Yorgos Lanthimos you watch the favorite and you just go I want to do that that's incredible yeah. um so it's it usually happens like when I'm watching their work so how much downtime between now and that so you're doing the press tour obviously right now yes and how much downtime before you go get on a set again do you know um, I, I hope to be on a set as of March. Okay. Um, but that just means, I mean, I, I, I'm doing Emma for the next like month and a bit. Right. Well, that's good. <laughs> so I was worried about, cause you know, we've talked in the beginning about sort of where does the energy go? It sounds like the energy is going to go into spreading the good word about Emma. Yeah. Prep for the next film. And yeah. then. Hopefully, you know, you can well, channel four, this all into good stuff. I've got four coming out this year. That's so right. It's We're going like... to be talking a lot. That's right. <laughs> Jesus. It's like, I got I to gotta right. get out there and, and spread the yeah. word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm glad we had a chance to catch up at length in this. Much better yeah. than the kind of silly junket thing. And as I said, I'm a fan of, of your work, and I'm excited that's just getting started. Uh, everybody should check out Emma. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for enjoying the film. I Thanks. really appreciate it. Thanks for stopping by, Anya. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>